Well, good morning, church family. My name is Ryan Keith. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's good to be with you and, and to worship with you. Just a reminder, again, that this Thursday and Sunday, we're going to be reconvening and welcoming you back in the church, and we've missed you. We're so glad that we can gather again together in person and in the building, and we're so thankful for that. And all the details about church service times on Thursday night and, and Sunday morning are all available on our website. And just as a friendly reminder, if you're not able to join us yet uh, in person, we are still going to continue to provide the service at 10 a.m. on Sundays as we've been doing all along. And we just thank you for your patience. And in God's providence, our text today that we're going to look at is love is patient. Love is patient. Those three simple words, love is patient. That's it. That's our text. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. And not even all of 4, just 4a. So just the beginning part, three words, love is patient. That short, simple phrase is super short, but super hard to live out. Before I became your pastor about two years ago, I led a ministry called Forgotten Voices that some of you know about. And at Forgotten Voices, we help local churches in Zimbabwe and Zambia and Malawi um, create custom plans for how to meet the physical and spiritual needs of families caring for children who have lost their parents. And along the way, one of the things I dealt with in almost every community we worked with was food insecurity. People were dying because they couldn't produce enough food in the face of hunger, um, severe drought, and, and scorching sun. And, and so people were dying because they couldn't produce enough food. And the traditional way of farming wasn't working. Essentially what it was is people would take their, their field and, and, and loosen up the soil and then they would throw the seed out by hand and then pray for rain. That's the plan. And it worked for a really long time and people had what they needed, but for, for various reasons, it's not working anymore. And people were starving to death because they couldn't produce enough food. Along the way, we met, our Forgotten Voices met an organization called Farming God's Way. And they were doing remarkable things that were transforming food insecurities in communities. Their method of farming was producing 300% more than traditional farming. It was revolutionizing food security in those communities. And it's simply remarkable. And it was so remarkable. I want to take us through their process because I think it helps us give an image of what it means to love patiently and how to do that. So here's, here's how it worked. Essentially what they would do is they would take, imagine this is their field. They would take their field and they would intentionally um, dig holes in, in exact increments between one another. And they would intentionally put three seeds in every hole at a certain depth. And then they would intentionally put straw to protect the hole from the sun. And then what they would do is as the, as the corn began to grow, they would faithfully weed each hole, reset reset the grass if need be and water each hole because there was limited water. So instead of trying to do their whole field, they would just water each hole if need be. And then what they would do as the crop grew some more, they would humble the plant. And by that, I mean, we planted, we planted three seeds in every hole and sometimes two or three shoots would come out and we'd have to humble and, and take it down. So even though we were taking away corn, they believed because there wasn't enough nitrogen in the soil, they believed that if you took 
some corn away, the corn would grow taller. And they did all this patient work, this intentional work, this humble work. They did all of this with expectation that it would meet their need. And guess what? It did. It grew very high, like taller than their heads in ways that they hadn't seen before. And not only did it produce 300% more than traditional farming, something else remarkable happened. People who adapted this protocol, these principles, these, these steps to bring about farming in their communities, um, people came in droves to see. And what began to happen was neighbors would come and say, I want to learn how to farm like this. And so the, the condition to getting seed and the condition to learning this method and people teaching you this method was that as you grew and implemented this in your own fields, you had to share seed and, and teach your neighbors how to do it too. And it spread and revolutionized food insecurity and the communities that adapted it. But it took great patience to do this well. And friends, this reminds me of why we need to love patiently. Our world is hungry for love. They're hungry for love. And if we give them a poor substitute, a love that does not have patience, we're not, we're not maximizing the yield that God desires for us and how we should love. God calls us to love patiently and his love is patient for us. So our proposition today that I want us to look at as we explore these three simple words, love is patient. Our proposition, our main thing that we wanna get across to you today is simply this. God's love is patient and ours should be too. So God's love is patient. Let me patiently be patient with me as I get this stuff off so I don't knock it off. Corn is really important and we wanna save it and maximize it. And my kids wanna play with it when I get home. So there we go. So God's love is patient and God's love is patient. Um, and, And it's easy to be patient though with who we get along with, right? It's easy, but listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter six, verses 32 through 35. Luke chapter six, verses 32 through 35. When talking about loving our enemies, this is what it says. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus loved his enemies. He loved them patiently. He showed his patient love to them. Listen to this. Instead of dominating or crushing others, Jesus allowed um, allowed us, them, to crucify him. He did so out of patient love for them who sinned unjustifiably by killing a righteous uh, man without sin. And he did it. Um, he chose lovingly to die for us. Luke 23 through 34, Luke 23, verse 34 reads, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus' love was so patient that he was pleading to God until his very end, interceding on our behalf. His love is patient before, 
now and forever. And that's why I love, I've grown to love this simple little phrase, love is patient. Love is patient. The is indicates that it's active, it's present, it's alive today. It's always been alive. God's love is patient before, now, and always. And patience is to endure long suffering. Patience is to endure long suffering, to be of a long spirit, not to lose heart, to be patient and bearing the offenses and injuries of others, to be mild and slow in anger, slow in avenging. And, and I don't want us to get lost in all the definitions of patience because it's not actually about patience, it's about love and patience. It's not the veneer of patience, like patience isn't the goal, it's love is patient. That's the goal, to have our love be uh, include an attribute of patience. Perhaps this will help. Um, I love airports, like I love them and I miss them so much lately, I, I love them. And one of the reasons why I love airports is I have this really odd hypothesis that who we are and how we love is most fully expressed in two places, a busy deli counter and an airport when there's a delay. That, that's this odd hypothesis I have. And I go to airports a lot in my life and, and inevitably there's this significant delay and, and um, you have a range of people, right? You have on one side, the person who has this special tier status and they're demanding uh, to use their right to board the plane first and now, even though the plane's not there. It's an irrational belief and they're angry that they can't board the plane. And on the other end of the spectrum, you have a person who's seemingly halfway on the other side of the airport, uncaring that there's a delay, uncaring that the plane isn't here. They're smiling, they're happy, and you wonder if they're even flying today. But most of us are in the middle of that. And most of us from afar, as you approach your gate, and a delay, you see that a lot of people are sitting around seemingly patiently. But if you choose a seat and you tuck in between you know, various families, you start to hear the grumblings and the rumblings and you see them texting every 3.4 seconds and checking for updates on their phone and being moaning and grumbling about the inadequacy and incompetence of the airline and its staff. They look patient from afar, but they're not lovingly patient. And we're called, love is patient, doesn't call us to look patient for just to get along with people and, and shush away um, difficult conversations. No, God calls us that love is patient, that it's love first, it's a reposturing of the heart and that inward, not the outward patient, but the inward desire to love well manifests itself through a love that's marked by patience. And, and friends, God's love is so patient. And ours should be too. It, it strikes me that if you don't know yet, you don't yet know the Lord as your savior. If you don't know him yet as your Lord and savior, I, I have great news for you. God's love is patient. He hasn't come back for you yet. He hasn't come back for us yet. He loves you. He loves you. He made you. He created you. He came for you. He lived for you. He died for you. He defeated death. He took the sins, your sins, my sins, our sins on his shoulders and died for us and rose again, defeating death. And he's coming back for you if you make him your Lord and savior. God's love is patient. Brennan Manning in his book, The Furious Longing of God, 
says this, reflecting on God is love. He says, in human beings, love is a quality, a high virtue, like something to obtain. In God, love is his identity. Friends, God's love is patient. It's in his identity. But how does he do it? How does he do it? And, and how, does, how is God bringing about, what are the ingredients? What are the steps? What are the components or characteristics of God's love to make it patient? Well, I want to look at four ingredients that'll help you understand how God brings about a love that is patient and how we can do the same. So here are the four ingredients. The first one is this, intentionality. Intentionality. We want to set our eyes on our purpose. The goal isn't to be right or get our way. The goal isn't to dominate a conversation or to get people to change their behavior. God loves patiently to bring about his kingdom and our love should do the same. As I mentioned before, Jesus to his final breath was loving patiently and with great intention for us before God. I want to read it again. Luke 23, verse 34. This is what that says. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus' love patiently and intentionally illustrates his love for us. Jesus patiently and intentionally loves us in such a way that he chose to die for us. He intentionally advocated, patiently advocated uh, to God for us. And loving patiently is an intentional choice. Every time with every person we encounter, every day, day after day, again and again, we have to be intentional about it. And Hebrews 12 verses one through two says it this way. Therefore, excuse me, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. To be intentional and loving patiently, we have to set aside every weight and every sin, every distraction, every circumstance. We have to choose over and over again to intentionally choose to love patiently. Uh, I, I, um, as I thought about how to illustrate intentionality, I came up with a whole bunch of scenarios in different categories of people that I could use to illustrate this, but let me just give you two today. And you can think about how intentionality uh, is an ingredient that you need to grow in loving patiently. But the two scenarios, the first of the two scenarios that I came up with is maybe there's someone in your life who's struggling with substance misuse. In my two years of being a pastor at this church, I've met dozens of families ravaged by substance misuse. As you might know, central Pennsylvania is um, a, a, a hotbed of activity, particularly for opioids. And many in our church family have been devastated by this and they feel like they're suffering in silence. But loving someone who's struggling with substance misuse is is a patient love that's marked by intentionality day after day, again and again. 
We have to intentionally remember how God sees them. We have to live that way. Their addiction and misuse does not define their value before God, no matter what anyone else says about them. God's, God has been clear that they are made in his image and they are valuable. We have to intentionally remember day after day and our long suffering to remember that God loves them. And we have an opportunity to illustrate the ingredient of intentionality and God's faithful love to them. And, and we know friends that in the midst, as the world has shut down, we know that substance misuse hasn't shut down. And so we've created some resources for our community, local resources to help you um, be equipped to love faithfully and love with intentionality anyone in your life who's struggling with substance misuse, that there's hope beyond addiction. And so you can go to westshorefree.org forward slash beyond addiction. And there's resources there and counselors and tools for you to learn about substance misuse and help you know that there is hope beyond addiction. And if that's someone in your situation, if you know someone in your life that's struggling with this uh, and you're caring for them, uh, we just wanna say as a church, we love you, we see you. And we see them and we wanna walk this journey with you. You don't need to do it in silence. You don't need to do it in secret. And it does require a patient love and intentionality. And we wanna intentionally say as your church family, we wanna be there for you. God sees you and loves you. God sees your loved one and loves them too. And we're so proud of your intentional, patient love illustrated by your care for them day after day. No matter what the world says, you're choosing to help them see again and again, by your faithfulness, that God loves them. So intentionality, that's the first one. Uh, but the second one is more general. Maybe you have a loved one. Maybe it's a child or a coworker or a neighbor who makes your blood boil. Your fuse is shorter when you're around them and, and you just don't quite know what to do. There's this little phrase I wanna teach you. It's simply this, it's my job to help you regulate. It's not something to say out loud to someone, but in your mind with every person that is, you could feel in your heart that your blood is boiling and your impatience is growing. Just remember, it's my job to help you regulate. That's particularly true for children who have experienced trauma. That's where I learned this from a woman named Karen Purvis. And she taught me this. It's my job as a parent or a caregiver of this child to help them regulate. Right? It's not my job to match their emotions. It's not my job to yell. It's not my job to subdue them. It's not my job to win or dominate, to crush their spirit, to give me this appearance, this veneer of obedience, simply because I cannot be bothered by their behavior. No, my job is to help them regulate. I have to regulate. I have to look to the one who has given me a hope and a love that can be patient and long suffering with you, no matter what you're going through. I can love you, but that requires intentionality. My intention, our intention with every interaction we have with other people, whether they're in the body of Christ, a stranger, a neighbor, a coworker, every person is to intentionally choose to love patiently. Because what we're hoping for friends and what Jesus' love and God's love for us with his intentionality help usher in the kingdom of God. Our goal isn't to win. Our goal isn't to subdue. Our goal isn't to conquer or cling to power. Our goal is to bring about the kingdom of God. So how do we intentionally choose to plant seeds of hope and love and joy and grace and mercy and all of these things, these characteristics of love? 
How do we intentionally choose to love patiently? Uh, and, and I just hope that that little phrase, I wouldn't say that to anybody. It's my job to help you regulate. That won't go well from experience, um, but it does give me pause to slow down and remember, what is this for? When my child is misbehaving, when I'm growing impatient, my job is to help them regulate. How do I do that? How do I do that? I need to love them intentionally and see them and shepherd them in to see the fruits that God is trying to grow in them. So intentionality. Um, and um, that's the first one. But the second one is faithfulness. Love, loving patiently is marked by the ingredients of faithfulness. And that's, that's put another way, it's keep showing up. You can't be just intentional one time. Like I can muster the courage to like be patient with this person before me, but I can't wait till it's over. But with our loved ones, our friends, our family, our coworkers, and even strangers that we'll never meet again, we have to be faithful to every person we meet to keep showing up and bringing an intentional, patient love before them. Over a long time of walking through people who've endured hard things, you know, those kinds of situations where the grief and the messiness and the tears seem to have no end and the complexity where you just want to throw your hands up and leave because you don't know what else to say. The number one thing I've learned is to just keep showing up. God's love is patient and it's marked by the ingredient of his faithfulness to us. I said earlier, since the beginning of humanity, God has been patient with us. There's one, one of my favorite passages to illustrate this is really all of Exodus, but Exodus 32 and 33 uh, that I won't read today, but I would encourage you to go back and read because you will see the faithful love of our God. After rescuing his people from Egypt, right? And leading them in uh, toward the promised land and they're wandering in the desert. He parted the Red Sea, saved them from the Egyptians. He was killing their enemies, supplying them with food. And, and then when Moses goes up to get the 10 commandments, and, and the people are pledging to obey God again. And they've repented and over and over again, they said they would follow the Lord and they didn't, right? Moses is up getting the 10 commandments and he comes back and what does he find? He finds Aaron and God's people worshiping a golden calf, right? It could have been very easy for God to say, I am done with these people. Or Moses to say, I, I've had it, I'm done. I'm walking the promised land by myself. You all are alone. But that's not what happened. Instead, in God's faithfulness, this is what happened. Moses pleads with the Lord. He doesn't throw his hands up and leave and say, I'm done with these people. He pleads with the Lord, patiently reminding God of his faithfulness. And this is what God says reading from Exodus 34. Exodus 34, we're going to begin with verse six. This is what he says. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third in the fourth generation. Like we're gonna need Jesus. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us for it is a stiff necked people. 
and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. And an amazing thing happened. The covenant was renewed and he being God, this is what it keeps going in verse 10. And he being God said, behold, I am making it a covenant. I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. And then it ends with verse 11. It says, well, this is where we're going to end. Observe what I commanded you this day. And then the passage goes on to list all the amazing things that God's going to do for his people and the promises that he's going to keep. And he's kept everyone. And all of the ways that he calls people to obey him and follow him and, and not do this or not do that. And guess what? They didn't do it and we're not doing it either. God's faithful love is marked by the ingredient of patience, of faithfulness. It's marked, God's love is patient. It's marked by the ingredient of faithfulness. And you might say, but Ryan, how do I, how long do I have to love patiently this person before me? And the simple answer is God's patient love has no end for you and for me and for us. To love patiently requires the ingredient of faithfulness. And let's look at number three, humility. The third ingredient to love patiently is humility. It's not about you. Romans 5, 6 through 8, this is what it says. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That Christ died, he loved you patiently. And so our love, our patient love um, should be marked by that too. That we should be humble. Or Ephesians 4 verses one through three, this is what that says. And a call for unity in the body of Christ. We're called to be patient and humble with one another. This is what Paul says. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Patient love requires the ingredient of humility. Again, life is not an argument for you to win or cling to power, even to be heard by humanity. Our lives are meant to worship the Lord and bring about his glory here on earth and in heaven. That's why we're here, to exhibit his patient love. And it should be marked by the, by the ingredient of humility. Because loving patiently is not about you. It's about God's kingdom and his glory. Friends, I, I once heard someone say something that stuck with me a long time. I actually didn't like it at first, but the more I sat with it, the more it grew on me. And I didn't like it at first because it's hard to hear. And this is what it was. I don't remember who said it. So if you remember, let me know. But this is what the quote was. If I don't like someone, it simply means I haven't spent enough time with them yet. If they're made in the image of God, if they're made in the image of God, who am I to say that my time with them is not worth 
long-suffering. I don't need to love them patiently. They're not worth my time. They're made in the image of God. They're called a creation of my King. Who am I to say that I can discard them and not engage with them lovingly and with patience? Who am I? The God who loved me calls me, implores me to be humble and make that humility an ingredient to my desire to bring about a love that is patient on earth because he has lovingly been patient with me and humbled himself to go to the cross. He's humbled himself to patiently wait. The maker of the heavens and the earth has patiently waited for me and has pursued me all along and loves me without end. How can we, how can we deny that for other people? So there you go. Humility is the third one. And our last one is this, expectation. Expectation. How we love patiently should be marked by the ingredient of expectation. When we pursue a love that is patient, we should expect to meet God. We shouldn't just expect to learn things about God. When we are lovingly patient, we should expect to meet an encounter with our God to meet our God. We should expect God to show up when we do what he says, when we love as he calls us to love, even when it's hard to endure long suffering. He calls us to do that. And, and, and when I think about um, the expectation, like I, I have just grown to see when I step into the hard things and, and too often I've not been patient, but when I do press forward and love patiently, God shows up. And sometimes they don't like it because it involves his shepherding, his correction, his molding, his breaking, his refining to help me grow in my understanding and my love for the person in front of me that God's calling me to love. But I'm better for it. Even if I don't get to see the fruits of, of my labor in this lifetime, I'm better for it because I want to bring about God's kingdom here on earth. I want to bring about his glory and how we love. God's love is patient and ours should be too. God will fill our hearts when we engage with loving patience and long suffering. Romans 5 verses 1 through 4 calls us to expect fruit from our long patient suffering. This is from Romans 5 verses 1 through 4. And this is what that says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that our suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Friends, our world is crying out, is hungry for love. And if our love doesn't include the ingredients of patience and, and that patience doesn't, isn't marked by intentionality, by faithfulness, by humility and expectation, we're giving our world a poor substitute for the love that God yearns for us to have. He wants us to grow in this love for his glory. And, and my prayer for us today and the days ahead that we love patiently that we love patiently and we're marked, that patience is marked by, you know, our, our faithfulness. It's marked by intentionality. It's marked by humility and it's marked by expectation. So that all who see us see and experience 
the love, the patient love of our God for them. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this new opportunity we have, this new morning. Your mercies are new each morning, Lord. And I pray that you help me and our church family and all who are watching grow and how to understand your patient love for them. God, we want to experience that. We want to know that. We want to, we want to see that, Lord. I thank you for this text. I thank you for this simple phrase, love is patient. Lord, and I do pray that you help us grow in that way. Not that we can just get along with other people, not that we can have less fights, although those are good things, but that we can be peacemakers, that we can usher in your kingdom, that we can usher in your desire for us to love patiently and bring about your glory here on earth and in heaven. Help us do that, Lord. We love you. Thank you for loving us so patiently and so well for so long without end. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Let's sing.